One of the hardest engineering problems down to man is making a reusable orbital rocket. It's stupidly difficult to have a fully reusable orbital system. It will be one of the biggest breakthroughs in the history of humanity. Den interplanetära podcasten. Utforskning av rum till fördel för hela mänskligheten. Dina vatten i England och Norge. Med Tjuros eller Kriskarni. Oh yeah, baby. Elon Musk. Drink. Straight into drinking. They love Elon, don't they? Oh, they love him. Oh, they love the Elon Musk. I love his Musk. He should definitely go into the perfume game. Of course, that was Elon Musk talking about how hard it is to build an orbital rocket that that is reusable. Stupidly uh, hard. It is stupidly hard, and we saw the results of that with yet another starship ploughing into the ground. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was an amazing <laughs> one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. I lo- absolutely love it. It didn't even get close this time. No. It was just straight whack smack into the ground, not even a hope of going, oh, it might, no, 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 it's definitely doomed. Yeah, <laughs> but the belly flop was an absolute marvel, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the landing was a tad off. It's got to be expensive, hasn't it? Each time he's <laughs> he's destroying three beautiful Raptor engines that presumably are pretty expensive, let alone mm. everything else, like all the tanks and the actual massive steel structure. I mean, it's yeah. it's pretty incredible stuff. But of course. He's, it's a really che- I guess it's a cheap way of doing it. It's a cheap way in terms of slightly cheaper than the NASA equivalent that's happening at the other end of town where you've where they've you know meticulously built this rocket and it and it's not quite working to plan so they're having to do these green run tests again and again and it's going to be expensive. It's going to be expensive, Chris. Like that's big a difference time. really, isn't it of a, a sort of a, a public company can't really do that kind of sort of showmanship um he can be a little bit more reckless as a private company a public company you've got you know the weight of of challenger and yeah i I don't think they can do that sort of thing and get away with it whereas you know this sounds like a job for the richest man in the world really doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) the richest man in the world and the second richest man in the world and possibly the third and fourth richest men in the world (laughs) are all building rockets it's just crazy yeah yeah that's mad isn't it 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 is mad but yeah um, um, but before we get on to, because uh, it's Rocket News Week, I just thought that yeah. would excite you, Chris. One of my faves. Yeah. Rocket News Week. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thought a bit of history first before we plough into it. On this day, 8th of February, 1992, there was a um, there was a, a sun probe, a robotic probe called Ulysses. Mm. One of my favourite cartoons of the... Yes. Uh, 80s amazing um yes ulysses um that went to study the sun at different latitudes so i believe it was the first solar probe that went did a polar orbit of the sun right even though polar seems very cold i should imagine even the the polar orbit of the sun is still very hot oh it's it ain't half up mom it's a joint venture between isa and nasa 
8th of February 1992 is its closest approach to Jupiter. And you think, what? Why, what's he doing over in Jupiter? That seems like it's gone the wrong way, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously we're all traveling in the same plane in the solar system. So it's quite hard to get into orbit around the poles of any of these places. Literally use Jupiter, drag it out of the plane and into an orbital inclination of 80 degrees. So it required a whole stack of energy to do that. It's very clever, very clever. Mm. We we use it's we use clever. Jupiter, don't we? Do you think Jupiter feels used? It literally has had energy robbed from it by this Ulysses probe. Sooner um, or later, it's going to want that back. You can give it back if you if you use orbital maneuvers to slow down. There you go. It could just be a borrow. NASA and ESA may have just borrowed energy from Jupiter. Is someone keeping track of all this? You should do a spreadsheet of all the energy that's owed to each planet. <laughs> now, hang on. Mercury gave us a tenner. Yeah, I mean, I Mercury gave us, yeah. Mercury gave us uh, this amount of specific impulse, or delta V, I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, it's uh, – Ulysses had to have um, what's known as RTG, radioisotope thermoelectric generator. Mm-hmm. basically nuclear power to power it because because it had to go over to Jupiter it couldn't use solar panels of course its last but, day of mission was June the 30th 2009 oh it had a long old trip didn't it it did a lot of work when in fact it was called Ulysses because yeah. it had to do such a massive quest like the the mythological hero i see so a bit of an odyssey it was actually originally going to be called Odysseus uh, but ESA begged NASA to call it Ulysses because that's also the character out of Dante's Inferno, which, of course, makes it more suitable for the sun. Is there a department that comes up with the names? I believe so. Right, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I want to join. I want to, I want to be one the of The naming them. department, yeah, absolutely. I want to join the naming department for things like planets and stuff and, and all those kind of things. That needs shaking up, definitely. I mean, it's just, the fact that it's just gone to numbers now, I just think it's lazy, Matt. <laughs> yeah, the yeah Kepler twenty seven C point three or something or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah they're a bit annoying. Like it's aren't ran they? out of people. You know, do do a competition, name it after you know people who are you know. Yeah, but there are uh, four thousand odd exoplanets now, so that's four thousand competitions. But yeah, I mean, that's a, that's. I'd quite like to name a planet. So even if they just said the host of the interplanetary podcast should name one, be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to sign a some sort of agreement to, to make sure that the people who were winning didn't think they actually now owned the planet. Yeah. So what would you name a exoplanet, Chris? Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'd call my planet Matthew. What do you think? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you might have expected that I'd named after me mum or me dear wife. No. <laughs> oh, actually, Kaya would be quite a good name for a planet, wouldn't it, actually? It would, it would, yeah. I mean, Kaya is also in Jamaica, uh, a reference to uh, the uh, funny cigarettes. But, um, but yeah, so people might be like, yeah, we're going oh, to no. Kaya, see, see, that is the nightmare of naming planets. It's like that when they named that um, Kuiper Belt object ultima thule yeah. and then every, and then everyone was complaining that that hitler had used it or something and it's like yeah oh, 
and so they have to call it's, it something else. Yeah, I really wish they hadn't named that exoplanet Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Savile Savile Moon. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> too soon. Is it too, is that too soon? Right, we should get on with the news. We've, we've got stuck in history and we're nine minutes in. Yeah, so no. I decided to take a trip around the world starting with America. America. How are they doing at the moment? They're doing all right, aren't they now? America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wonderful so, film. Ah, surprising record. I've got a bunch of surprising news stories. So a surprising record, one that I didn't see coming and and didn't even clock at all. Crew One, i.e. your man Victor Glover, Mike Hopkins, Shannon Walker and Soichi Noguchi of Japan are going to have, uh, as of today, as we're speaking, Chris, um, yeah. Now they've been up longer than 84 days. It doesn't seem like 84 days ago, does it, since they flew up? Anyway, no, they've been no. up now for 84 days, and that beats the Skylab 4 crew in 1974 of the longest in space by someone who's flown up on a US spacecraft. Brilliant. So no one on the space shuttle stayed up that long. No way. Uh, that is crazy. I mean, I, 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 I think there's a few Russians and that who've been up longer than that, but so it's a US. Oh, way longer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a US spacecraft. So, yeah, no, so Tim Peake's been up for six months, for example. Six months, flew up yeah. On a so- flew up on a Soyuz, you know, yeah. or, you know. So, yeah, this it, I just hadn't realised that people never had long-duration missions in the shuttle era. I know. It was and totally and it, a they, Russian Soyuz thing to do. These hmm. people went to flipping moon and back, you know. And still, well, that's only a few days, isn't it? No, yeah, yeah, it's a week. You know, it is. It's just a, week. It's um, a quick week. So that was so that was interesting. So they so they've just set that record. Um, well done, crew one. That's great. And the other one that really surprised me is how valuable Astra is. Right, so Astra, which um, still haven't got into orbit, they were very close on their second launch back in December. Very yeah. close indeed. Um, but they are going to publicly list themselves, but near the end of 2021, under under this thing called a special purpose acquisition company, and are valued at 2.1 billion dollars. That's a hell of a number. Yeah. So I was thinking, Chris, do you want to set up an orbital rocket company? <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm already oh, starting man. on it now. So yeah. So if you're interested in Astra, you'll be able to buy Astra shares on the Nasdaq. Um, oh. ASTR um, uh, soon. That's good, isn't well, it? Well, well, we I once had a D-Reg Astra Club, and that was worth about two hundred and fifty quid. So, Ooh. yeah, I had a Voxel Astra worth yeah. five hundred quid until I completely, basically, ran it into the ground. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I maintained it with parts from the scrapyard. Very great. good. But that's interesting. The Astra Nova. I've just realised that the Vauxhall names were all, <laughs> were all cosmological. <laughs> only just noticed. Yep. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> Next, you'll be telling me how Ford liked to name their cars after islands. No. <laughs> anyway, surprising turnaround. So oh. get this. They've managed to turn around a Falcon booster, B1060, in 27 days. No. So, yeah, so the previous record was 37 days. 
Uh, now they've turned it around. So it's gone from four months turnaround down to four weeks. So it's the first time that a Falcon, that the same Falcon booster has flown twice in a month. I think they've been inspired by our wonderful uh, vaccine developers there. Oh, big time. Big, big time. They're just going, do you know what? They've just made us all look shit. We can't sit around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we, but it, we should, we should, we should quit. While we're on Elon Musk, we should quickly cover that whole FAA approval thing because that was yep. the kerfuffle. That was the big kerfuffle that was. We all stayed up to watch um, SN9, and then it didn't happen because it turned out that SpaceX didn't really have approval to fly SN8. <laughs> uh, uh, which is like absolutely crazy. So they had to do these other things. You know, the FAA went back to SpaceX and look, you've got to do these things to check on your safety. You really shouldn't have flown. Slap on the wrist. But it looks like all of that is now resolved and yeah. it's all fine. So they were able to fly SN9 and no hard feelings. But I guess when you're doing something as crazy as chucking a massive aluminium I mean, and it is massive <laughs> chucking yeah. this big aluminium thing up in the air and all, it will almost come down and exp- definitely come down and explode <laughs> i guess that you've kind of really got to uh yeah it, it's it's an unusual it's unusual isn't it it must be hard for the regulators to kind of make it's, sure everything's okay it's easier to get forgiveness than permission yeah well that i think that the, elon musk must live by that adage, <laughs> mustn't he? He really must. Yeah. But I think a lot of... If I his Twitter ain't to go by. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think space companies, there's quite a few that kind of do that as well. Like there's, there was that one company, wasn't there, that launched a satellite without permission and then just dealt with it afterwards. It was like, wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's up, it's up <laughs> Shoot it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's crazy. Of course, this week... This week has been amazing for co- like commercial crew space flights. So people yeah. paying to go, like space tourism. Uh, so, yeah, Inspiration 4 is a really interesting one. So that's going to be the first one to go, and that's going to be in the last part of this year. So, so this could be really exciting. And it's going to be a SpaceX crew dragon. It's going to be an orbital free flyer. So it's not going to the ISS. It's just going to go for – they're just going to go into orbit for two or three days. Which be I good think enough is, for me. Oh, my God. That would be so much more epic than going up on either the Virgin Galactic or the or the New Shepard. Imagine that. It would be absolutely Definitely. unbelievably cool. So it's this guy called Jarad Isaacman who was – who who is the founder of a of a payment system called Shift Four? I guess you know resonant of uh, Mister Musk himself, of course, with, with PayPal. the PayPal legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy is uh, an accomplished civilian and military pilot as well. So he's 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 a he's um, a pretty cool. He's dude. no slouch, no slouch. But the, the coolest thing that he's doing is that he's pledging a hundred million dollars to St Jude Hospital as well as paying for his seat, and he's. Also, um, hoping to raise another two hundred million by giving the three other seats away. It's great. So yeah, I mean it's genius. So if you're an ambassador who exemplifies the value of the hospital, you might get a seat. Oh, if, I have to get a job there first. Yeah, if you donate money to St Jude's, then your name will be put in a raffle, and you might get a seat. 
And also, if you're an entrepreneur who uses the Shift Shift for Shop e-commerce platform, you might get a, a, <laughs> a ticket as well. Fantastic. And he's advertising it at the Super Bowl tonight. And he's advertising it at the Super Bowl. And the best bit about it is, while if any spectators at the Super Bowl be able to look up in the sky and see the ISS flying overhead, as long as it's not cloudy. Yeah. How cool is that? Absolutely. It's the stuff that blockbuster movies are made of. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, actually, it might be one of us two, Chris. Unless, of course, American citizens are the only people that can go up. I haven't actually found out whether whether that's right or not. But there's another orbital free flyer as well. Uh, although we haven't been told who that private citizen is yet, but that's going to happen in 2022. So this looks like it might happen quite a bit, which I think is really quite big somehow. Because also there's Axiom AX1, which they're going to where where a team of four people uh, are going to go up to the International Space Station. So that's NASA veteran Michael Lobaz Alegria. Is a legendary uh, commander, record-breaking NASA astronaut. And he's going to go up with entrepreneur Larry Connor, a Canadian investor, Mark Pathy, and very interestingly, a guy called Etan Steeb, who is from the Israeli Air Force, who was a very close friend of Elan Ramon, who uh, listeners of the programme will remember when he was astronaut of the week and unfortunately oh. perished in the Columbia shuttle disaster oh and is of course an absolute israeli legend fantastic yeah and of course don't forget as well we're supposed to have dear moon mission where someone flies up on a starship but watching the starships plow into the ground at the moment that's probably not the video you should watch before going to the moon on it (laughs) Yeah, I, I would jump on one just now. Not just now. Uh, Not unless, just now. Unless they weren't going to land it. You know what I mean? They go, right, we're going to jump the land and I bit. mean, there's no launch. This is the thing that's really weird about Starship. There's no launch escape system. So it's like you either land in the vehicle like that or you don't and you're doomed. <laughs> so That doesn't sound like a good idea. Well, I must admit that does seem to be the the biggest hurdle in the whole system, surely. I would be very worried going to Mars, especially if someone decided to keep sending me that video of SN8 and SN9 playing <laughs> into the ground. I'd be that friend. I would <laughs> just like, keep sending you. You would be, wouldn't you? You'd be, oh, Have a God, good one, mate. A lot. Thanks a lot, Chris. <laughs> Fingers crossed. See you in a couple of years. <laughs> 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 yeah oh my god it'd be so stressful um this was a sad one millie elizabeth hughes fulford unfortunately passed away this week on february the 2nd 2021 and another oh. nasa legend she's the first yeah. female nasa payload specialist and flew up on the nasa space shuttle columbia sts 1491 but she's really this kind of absolute biomedical genius really so yeah. um yeah she's she she designed a lot of the experiments that have gone up to things like the space hab space hab bio rack experiments and all those kind of things to to examine bone growth and things like that and then she examined things like t cell gene induction 
in as in space flight. She's designed lots of other experiments, but one of her big things is that she was able to show how microgravity itself is the root cause of all this T cell dysfunction, which is massive. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the serious um, barriers to spaceflight and going to Mars. I would imagine. So Absolutely. yes, yeah. And but what's really tragic is she seems to have died from lymphoma, which is which is the subject of some of her papers, including her last. So oh, yeah, that's, that's a that's a good astronaut of the week, though. An incredible, very career. good astronaut of the week. I, well, I, I didn't. I'm, I confess, I didn't know much about her, but she's clearly. An absolute bang out. With, with you know, as a mission specialist, she's one of these people that you know, not born to be an astronaut like a sort of fighter pilot, but someone that's at the cutting edge of medical science and therefore gets a ticket to the International Space Station because of her fantastic work. Yeah, essentially amazing. Well, actually, she didn't go to. I don't think she went to the International Space Station. She flew up on the space shuttle Columbia and and flew around the Earth for 146 orbits. I should say. Right. Um, it's also Al, Al Warden's birthday today. Happy birthday, uh, Al, wherever yes. you are. Sorely Back to the missed. cosmos. Sorely yeah, missed, absolutely. especially by us Brits, as Al was very, very fond of coming to Britain and sharing his lovely smile and stories. Uh, Sadly missed. Sadly missed. So launches this week. We got another sixty more Starlinks going up. Where are they going to go? Go. Well, there's thousands of them up there. There's literally over it's a ridiculous. thousand of them up there now, which is actually yeah. incredible. But we'll we'll get on to um, we'll get on to some mega constellation by the time we get round to the UK news. But of course, the this week really we should be talking about Mars stuff. Yes. Because lots of stuff is going to be arriving at Mars this week and next week. Perseverance rover, not this week, but next week we have the seven minutes of terror. So we shall obviously be covering that in next week's show. But um, I'm going to have a full-on Mars month in March because, let's perfect face it. month for it. It is a perfect month for it. However, what I did not know, Chris, we're talking today on the 7th of Feb. And do you know what the 7th of Feb is? No, apart from a date in the calendar, Matt, I've no idea. Well, this year it is uh, the 7th of February 2021 is the start of New Year on Mars. This is New Year's Day on Mars. Oh, Happy New Year, March. Yeah. I mean, Mars. Mars, yeah. <laughs> March, Mars, same thing, isn't it? Um, same yeah, thing, same thing. Yeah, same thing. It's So, yes, it's the 36th year. So it's 2021 on Earth and the year 36 on Mars. And this year so happens to be way? 7th of Feb. It apparently is something to do with they started the year system uh, after an important dust storm in 1956. And at that point, they decided to go with it. And each day on Mars lasts 24 hours, 39 minutes. But yeah. a uh, a year on Mars is actually 668 like souls. 668 right. souls, which is 687 Earth days. Because, of course, yeah. their day is slightly longer. And, um, yeah, so it just so happens that, yeah, this is the year 36 Brilliant. So we had Jesus being born. They had a big storm. They had a dust storm. Yeah, big dust storm. Yeah. Which really should Makes be called sense. the Jesus storm or something. But yeah, it's so so happy Mars Day. If I'd known that, I may have started the Mars month today. But hey, 
I think March is very appropriate for a Mars month, and I'm going to have some special Marsy guests for that no oh, guests today look by forward the way. to that i'm going to eat mars bars while we're doing the, oh the yes and that. no have yeah. mars i have mars ice cream of course because helen oh. sharman invented mars ice cream and oh, of course she's our first so ever sweet astronaut oh. it's so every time you tuck into mars yeah it is a bit it is a bit sweet i did keep meaning to have a, uh, a, a chat with helen and say i think you made it slightly too sweet <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I decided not to. I, just, I thought that might be that we might have got on the wrong foot. So let's move yeah, to China definitely. because because we we should talk about one of the things that's approaching Mars this this week, and that is the Tianwen One. Yep. And do you know what Tianwen comes from? Is it is it heavenly questions? Oh, it is. It only is. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 done its fourth orbital correction burn, and yep. it's preparing for orbital insertion on Wednesday. How exciting is that? Very exciting stuff. Now here's some stats for you. So it's been travelling roughly about two hundred days, and it's clocked up two hundred eighty-nine million miles. So it's going Oof. about a million miles a day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, isn't that, that's just incredible isn't it but and, and yeah. it but it's gone 289 million miles but it's only got 120 million miles away from us in other words it's been doing this massive loop to get out to mars yeah. um yes and it's already sending back pictures of mars even though it's 1.5 million miles away but as we found out it, it'll cover 1.5 million miles in a, in a day and a half or so <laughs> But of course, exactly. it's, it's in it, yeah. it is in its slowing down phase. I hope. Um, yeah. So weirdly, so this week it will arrive at Mars a few days after the start of the Mars New Year, but it will arrive two days before the Chinese New Year. Ah. <laughs> so yes, yeah. yeah. So in fact, the so the Mars New Year almost lined up with the Chinese New Year this year. Um, mm, just yes. about, yeah. So yes, as Chenwen One, of course, has an orbiter, so that will get into orbiter, into or- the orbiter will get into orbit in a couple of days' time. Uh, but of course, it has a lander and a rover as well. How exciting oh, is that? Brilliant! Now you said the heavenly questions, right? That is a yeah. poem by this guy called Kuo Zhang. Kuo Yuan. I don't know. Kuo Yuan. Kuo Yuan. And yes, he. I've kind of sort of read about him, and for me, he sounds a little bit like the Chinese Marcus Aurelius, as in someone who is that was... the guy from Gladiator. <laughs> He's not the guy from uh, Gladiator. He's a oh, very, right. but he is a Roman emperor who was also very famous for writing Meditations, which is a very good book, like extraordinary book, in fact, because um, it's full of ancient wisdom, but wisdom that still applies today. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yes, but so did this guy. So did Kuo Zhuan, and his. You can find his poet poems in this collection of classical Chinese poetry, which are considered, you know, the touchstones of Chinese culture, and um, and they're really, really good. They so these heavenly do, do questions. They still, do they still rhyme when you translate them? No, I don't think they do. Oh, I don't. I'm not not sure whether they rhymed. Whether rhyming was a thing in Chinese poetry, I just don't know. Yeah, You've made a, an assumption yeah. there, haven't you? I, do, Poss- I just possibly, don't know. Yeah, possibly. I've also I don't, assume I don't know. that all poems need to rhyme. But I, like, but I thought I'd re- it's basically it's asking questions that I think 
they kind of make you realize how people were thinking 2,300 years ago. So here's, hmm. here's, here's an extract in English. God knows whether it's a good translation or not, though. So brightness became bright and darkness dark. What has caused them to be like this? Yin and yang, co-mingle. What was basic? What was transformed? Upon what are the heavens folded? Where are the 12 stages divided? How are the sun and moon attached? How are the constellations arrayed? The sun emerges from the morning veil. It comes to rest on the crepuscular horizon from dawn until dusk. How many miles does it travel? That's wonderful. I mean, how amazing are those questions? Because they are still... <laughs> you kind of really, I guess, they're still questions that we're still asking. Brightness became bright and darkness dark. Yeah. It's like a little bit like one of my year eight exams. <laughs> <laughs> how many miles does it travel <laughs> yeah so yeah i no that's beautiful absolutely beautiful so it's obviously very important but that's the uh, poetical reason for tian wen which is beautiful that i I'm, I'm gonna say the chinese name their stuff better than anyone else i'm gonna, yeah. gonna go with this magpie bridge you're not gonna you're not gonna get better than that it's like there's something no. There's something more arty and poetical, and so good old, good old Chinese. Well done for your naming. That's all I can yeah, say. Yeah, well done, China. Uh, United Arab Emirates, of course, are going to get to Mars a day before China. How about that? Oh, that's going to sting. They're going to get there with their Hope Orbiter. I mean, Hope's a good name, but it's not Tianwen, yeah. is it? No, not in the slightest. Hope. <laughs> I mean, come on. Everyone calls stuff hope. Yeah, it's it's a little bit even perseverance and and things like that. It's yeah, come on. We could have done better I mean, than that, surely. Uh, come on, the Arabic culture has got so much more to give. Oh my than god, just it the must word have, hope. mustn't it? Must have, mustn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, come on, step it up, UAE. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Uh, so th that's going to be, I mean, uh, what an absolute massive achievement for UAE. You know, someone that's only yeah. really entered the space game in the in the last decade or so, and, and, and they've, they're sending something to, to Mars. And if they can mm. get into orbit with it, they're not landing on Mars, but if they can get into orbit, that would be incredible. Now, if China land, that really will be amazing because they'll join the extra special club of only one nation that's ever achieved it, and that is, of course, the Americans. The Americans, who who, they, who China are well on the way of, to taking over as the world's yeah. biggest Ouch. superpower. Ouch, <laughs> yes. And, uh, and right, but while we're talking of superpowers, we're going to get to Russia, which um, obviously has had to watch while its uh, superpower status is... Uh, definitely long behind it however oh, i thought it was i am wearing my vostok watch today to oh uh, to, beautiful in, in, in honor yeah yes. well i mean the russian names are okay but i thought that they're a little they do seem to uh sort of use them again and again like the vaccine that they released sputnik <laughs> does seem like it's been <laughs> named before sputnik 5 but apparently this Sputnik 5, I just thought I'd mention this, that Sputnik 5 vaccine turns out that their massive gamble of sort of skipping phase three trials has, has actually paid off. It turns out that it's a really good vaccine and, the, and that they were able to get it sort of up and going and selling it to Iran that won't bite vaccines off us and all those kind of things. So 
That's yeah. very well, that, well, interesting. That's a relief. <laughs> It is a relief, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, it is a relief. And the great thing is, it's like the more vaccines, the better as far as I'm concerned. Because every single corner of the world needs to get vaccinated or else it's not going to work. So Mm. Mm. that's, that's good news as far as I'm concerned. Roscosmos also announced that they're going to be taking space tourists up on a Soyuz. There's a little bit of me that always thinks, particularly with when Rogozin's name pops up is that whenever Elon Musk says he's going to do something, the Russians kind of feel obliged to say that they're going to do it too. You know, it, yeah. it, it's like their their glory days are definitely behind them. I don't know how they're going to reclaim them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit, I mean, they're, they're still doing the military stuff. They, they launched a, a spy satellite this week. And um, of course, we're going to see a Russian launch to the ISS, the M. The MS-16 logistics module, and actually uh, that will just be before a Cygnus um, launch, the Catherine Johnson, named after the hidden figure, of course. That's going up next week or a little bit after, uh, just after the uh, Soyuz MS-16 resupply. So lots of stuff going up to the uh, International Space Station at the moment. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Getting busy, it's getting busy up there. It is getting busy. So that that particular MS sixteen, this Progress, which is one hundred and sixty eighth flight of a Progress, that particular Progress, when it undocks in late April, will also undock with the Piers module, which is an old module, to make way for the Norca module that has the European arm. So that thing's been sitting in a crate somewhere, and we've mentioned this a few times before, but it's just been sitting in a crate somewhere waiting to go back up. So this this Norca module has been around for ages and it's it's very late getting to the International Space Station. So, yeah. Isn't uh, the, it all out of date? Well, you know I mean? no. Well, up I mean, there to be it, like, ah, oh, we've got the Norca up there, but it's got Well, no the worst Wi-Fi. thing about it is I think, like, obviously, these, these spacecraft have got noxious chemicals that do certain things and certain things yeah have to be then oh we're gonna have to go in and replace that because it will have corroded this and corroded that so i do believe yeah they had to un uncrate the norca module and make loads of repairs and stuff like that so it's not a cheap thing to have that kind of tech on the ground doing nothing when it could be out in space doing something so yeah, they, they up on this progress l- launch as well because the Russian end of the uh, space station is getting so old now. They're taking repair kits with glue patches and stuff like that to try and mend some of these leaks that are happening. Oh, yeah. It's, so it's, it's a slightly worrying. <laughs> well, it's kind of I, I don't know. It just it just seems totally indicative of the Russian. Russian space program at the moment. And of course, Dmitry Rogozin's been bothering on as well about how his moon program is 10 times cheaper than the American one, but it will get the same results for all the scientists. And he's in negotiating in negotiations with China to set up a moon base to rival the Artemis program. So it's all it's all crazy stuff. They have chosen four more um cosmonauts though for cosmonaut training. Sergei Urturganov, Alexander Kolyabin, Sergei Tutaryanatnikov, Taryanatnikov, and Harayutian Kivirian. 
That's uh, you, you got through them. I, I did. I, that's all I'm going to tell you. You just keep Harutian, got through Harutian Kiverian. Yeah. They're, they're, they're Kiverian. Lots of Sergeys, aren't they? Sergey is definitely a common cosmonaut name. <laughs> that's a great name, though, isn't it? Sergey. Yeah, Sergey. Uh, yeah. It's definitely made especially popular by the meerkats on British TV. Of course, yeah. Well, good. Uh, India... India, so we're going to see a PSLV launch uh, by the end of the month, which will have Brazil's first ob- Earth observation satellite. So that should be good. But here's an Ooh. interesting one. We mentioned a few weeks ago, and, and it's come up a couple of times, that um, one of the big things that India sort of said last year was that the ISRO, which is the Indian Space Agency, the Indian equivalent of NASA, have conf- uh, w- really want to kickstart the commercial space economy in India. So they're, they're really sort of pushing for that. And the way they're going to do it is obviously give them all the facilities and technical know-how. And this Hyderabad startup called Skyroot Aerospace have just signed up to it. And they're a big solid propulsion rocket company, so that should be good. So that so they're pushing it, and they they join Agnical Cosmos, which have already built their Kalam Five engine prototype. And there's fifty other startups that are in India building space stuff. So the Indian the Indian space scene is looking pretty cool. It's very exciting, and big ups to India for for pushing for that. I, I really hope that the you know that the sort of the imbalance of of poverty in the country though is something that's ad- addressed. I know this is always a a um, a debate, and I absolutely I am pro obviously pro space programs, but there's such a and such inequality there. It's 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 quite uh, quite difficult to wrestle with. I think morally. Yeah, I, it, it is, isn't it? But I'm especially considering India takes aid from other countries to sort those problems. But but I I do. Yeah, I was really surprised about that. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think this is the case for a lot of countries, and I, and I, I I have on the I mean I don't like to get political, but I do think that that if a country is spending a lot of money building up something that's obviously going to be a, a successful industry for itself and india have chosen space as one of those industries and yeah. it's like it will clearly bring wealth into the country it 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 breeds technological advancement it it means that people go to school to learn really really amazing stuff now the crazy thing about the indian space uh agency is that they employ a lot of women because there's regions of india where the women are highly educated but it's not it's not as it's not as clear-cut as being aren't they amazing because of course it's just the fact that women are cheaper (laughs) even (laughs) but just as good so it's but it's at the end of the day i think you know a, a burgeoning well basically you've got to spend money haven't you to to then generate more wealth that's it. That's the bottom line, and do, I think that's what they're doing. Do you doing know what? With. I think you made an absolutely salient point. I think you're absolutely right. And, yeah, if it's – I think I've probably acted in prejudice there as people tend to do that when it is something off Earth, when it becomes something space-related. That's when the focus becomes on why are you doing that when there's poor people on Earth, when it is actually just an industry that is – being set up to boom and it's going to benefit the country so yeah i absolutely right mate yeah yeah you know i know and imagine if the indian space agency are able to do things like launch their own 
uh, internet constellations uh, or, yeah. you know, and all those sort of things and or telecommunications and that people in rural areas can join the economy and, and, and go to school, you know, go to virtual yeah. school and stuff like that. And you think, yeah, you know, the, these things are really positive things as long as Definitely. it's not just full of corruption. You know, that, that's when it's awful is when, when obviously all the money gets wasted. But it doesn't look like that in, in, in India, I have to say. I mean, I'm Whoa, sure there is. They love their bureaucracy in but India. But they do so love I a bit imagine. of bureaucracy. I mean, I'm, I imagine that it's all over the shop. But, you know, it's, it's very, very hard, isn't it? It's, it's hardware because cause you don't really get the full picture. I, I kind of get the impression that the Russian one's pretty corrupt, though, when they all, when everyone got basically sent to jail when they b- built one of the cosmodromes out there. <laughs> Russia corrupt. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, right before before we got very political. Let's let's move yes, on to yes. let's move on Sorry. to Europe. And of course, us Brits aren't going to be get political at all when we talk about Europe. But it's here. <laughs> so Europe, uh, actually, this is a European space agency, of course, of which Britain is very much a part of. The ESA's director general, Jan Vorna, has been speaking to Dr. Hiroshi Yamakawa, who's the president of the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency, JAXA, and they've been having bilateral meetings this week. And, of course, one... One of the greatest space missions currently out there doing its thing is Bepi Colombo, which is of course. A, um, a cross of ESA and JAXA work. Uh, and they've got two more missions where they've managed to sort of do a similar sort of arrangement, and that's HERA, which is an international planetary defence mission, which is pretty cool for a start off. And they, they're going Definitely. out to look at the asteroid Didymos, to look at how the NASA DART mission impacted this binary asteroid Didymos to get more information about um, asteroids, basically, to to help with planetary defence. So that's really cool. So HERA. And then there's MMX. Now, I thought MMX was part of Bepi Colombo, but I think it must be called something else. Uh, And that's a JAXA mission, which is a sample return mission to Phobos, that would be oh, really Phobos. wicked, man. Imagine that. So, a uh, yeah, flying out to Phobos, one of Mars's moons. Yeah, landing, taking a sample and bringing it back. Now that seems like a pretty awesome mission to me. Like awesome, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited about that one. Also over at ESA, go on their website and they have the ESA YGT opportunities which is the, well, this is quite funny. So yeah, the positions are available in engineering, science, IT, and business services. And you can, and you can join like this. like YTS? Pro- yeah, it's a bit like YTS, except at ESA. So you can, you can join. And it's, I guess the, the Y must stand for young or something. Young graduate trainee. There you go. Young graduate trainee. Now, if you, so if you've got, a, if you're doing your master's and you, or you're going to finish your master, then you can apply for this and go and work for um, ESA, right? It's a massive opportunity to go and sort of plunge into ESA work life. 
get in there, get in there, Spodcats. Yeah, absolutely. You should definitely get in there. But I did, I did notice it says ESA is an equal opportunity employer committed to achieving diversity, obviously. For this purpose, yeah. we welcome applications from all qualified candidates, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, ethnicity, beliefs. Now, this is the big one, age. So as far as I'm concerned, I, I should, even though I'm an old giffer, I should still be able to apply for this legally. Are you technically a graduate? Because I graduated 21 years ago, Matt. So <laughs> yeah, I think yes, yeah, so that's fine. So if I start doing a master's, I can, I can, I can apply. But the thing is, I, I have to say, irrespective of age, but it's in the title. It's called young graduate. I know, training. but but presumably, it, even if you're old, you still they 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 would. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because if anything, they might even be breaking the law by calling. Young graduates, but I just don't know. It, but presumably, yeah. If 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 I was doing my masters now, I could apply for it because they wouldn't be allowed to. They wouldn't be allowed to discriminate based on my age, would they? It's just not allowed. No. So You're not that's that. To do that. <laughs> so really, it's it's a bit of a misnomer to call it the young graduates, although it's clearly that's the uh, spirit. Of it's the basically program. saying to us, "Come on, be behave. Let's, <laughs> let's let the young people go for this math. Come on, mate. <laughs> but if you must, come on. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> but you know that's good. So yes, if you're if you really want to get into space, that that's open till March the first. So get your application in if you're doing your masters. And I know quite a few of our listeners currently are so that's that's very cool um would you know what's podcast as well we'd love to hear if you do get on the on, oh on my that god program. yes we'd um, be we'd be chomping at your at your heels on that one chomping yeah. at your heels is that the right it's chomping I, at the I, bit I, and nipping at your heels yeah but, but i i like a mixed metaphor it's good yeah we yeah, do. yeah or a mixed saying is it a mixed metaphor not yeah. quite but hey um yeah. i thought we'd finish this space news on a uk space one there wasn't anything particularly okay. massive going on in UK space, or, or, or although there's the ongoing Sutherland spaceport where you know it's sort of the Scottish government apparently have been really pushing the British government to get this over the line. But there was an interview with a guy called Sunil Bharti Mittal, and if our listeners, regular listeners, will know, he is the dude that has bought OneWeb with the UK government. So it's yeah. so he's he's kind of like the Elon Musk of uh India, basically. He's absolutely massive in telecommunications. Uh very one of the richest people on earth. And he's yeah. gone into into partnership with the UK for the uh for this for one web. And it was a really interesting interview. I mean, he's probably overselling it, so it's, I'm going to take some of it with a pinch of salt, but I thought it was very, very um, good to hear the kind of positive perspective on OneWeb because you get a lot of downside to it. Um, but yeah, it, it was basically saying for for the UK, uh, these here's the takeaways I got from it. But it was basically saying, you know, for the UK to get into space because the UK is very advanced, but our space sort of um, ambitions aren't as far along as say somewhere like india you know and india no. are nowhere near as advanced as a country as the uk uh and, and he said so for this 500 million dollar price tag that the uk paid to get into that kind of space is really cheap 
<laughs> to sort of get into that into that space. So it's like say it's a bargain, really, because that's half a billion, half bargain. a billion, a bargain. And um, it means that they can maintain a special relationship with the US government and their Five Eyes Alliance partners. What he wants to do is connect the world with this thing. You know, we were talking earlier about Indians getting internet coverage, even in rural areas. And of course, this is what this is all about. But the other side of this is this whole idea that the, the UK government got kicked out of Galileo. So Galileo is the European global navigation system the basically the equivalent of gps and it's up and yeah. running and of course everyone everyone can use it so galileo chips are found in now in mobile phones and stuff like that and uh, that you know that's how google maps works on your phone however if you're if you're in the military you need a sort of special version of it which gets you ludicrous accuracy for your well i guess missile defense and stuff like that so you need this extra layer of, of accuracy and britain despite sort of being one of the main builders of the system are now locked out because we're no longer in Europe. But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but so we would have, we would have had to have, so there's this thing called PNT, which is GPS. The thing that's very expensive in GPS satellites and Galileo satellites is the, the fact that these atomic clocks are on board generating yeah. this timing uh, frequency. This is the sentence which um, which I thought was amazing. Experts believe a, a low-Earth orbit solution can be built for a fraction of the £5 billion that the UK government were going to have to invest in Galileo. So we, we would uh, the UK government had to put £5 billion, That's That's 10 times more than we've spent. He goes, but we've begun work on the next generation of OneWeb satellites, and it's expected to have PNT payloads on them there is no question about that. What? So he's saying there's no question that the next gen of one web satellites is going to have this capability, which is going to be in yeah. like loads cheaper. And that and that's a spin-off. That's not even the main point. He says if he can resolve the entire rural broadband issue in the UK, then he's going to be happy. <laughs> In other words, he says he thinks that there's going to be complete blankage coverage of the UK by next October. Wow, that's pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes, "Where can't you get it? So I didn't know you couldn't get it. Some bits. Oh God, <laughs> they're, 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 I know there's loads of places around where they where they haven't where they still haven't got broadband. I mean, there's one I can see from my window. They haven't got broadband. I don't think over on. Um, Lundy, are they? Uh, are they still? Do they still have rationing over there? And like, this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh really? I mean, it's a pub and a, a pub and a farm. To be fair, but it's it's. Oh, they got a pub, uh, but it's a beautiful place. Uh, and you sail out from, uh, you sail out from Ilfracombe to it. But yeah, so they, they, you know, he'll be happy if he just cures the whole of the UK. So the whole of the UK can have blanket broadband. So there, there isn't, well, there won't be anywhere, including the coastline and everything. We'll we'll get an, in, up in the mountains. So when you're up the top of Ben Nevis, you'll be able to get broadband. He says, but imagine how exciting is the fact that also there's the Indian market for him. So he's got the, you know, the Himalayas, <laughs> the, the, de the deserts of Rajasthan. It's going to be brilliant to be there in the middle of the desert of Rajasthan and be able to get a signal. Yeah, and get, you get your one web signal. And it, but you know, obviously, his big his big rival is um, Elon Musk. 
But what was interesting was that he, he had a lot of praise for Elon Musk and what he was doing and saying, you know, it was absolutely amazing. And he would love to work with him more closely and, you know, be pals. But he said, but he's going to be very stiff competition for SpaceX. And what I didn't realize was their sort of big difference is that SpaceX want to go directly to customers. So they want to work directly with customers. So they're, they're cutting out all the regional telecoms companies. So it's just like, right. no, SpaceX, you just buy a terminal and, and it's SpaceX and that's it, right? You talk to Starlink. Whereas OneWeb, a sort of, because he's a big telecoms giant himself, he can talk to all these telecom CEOs and, and work with them. So he, they sort of add extra service to their service. So that's the way yeah. he's going. And and he seems to think that that's a better way to go. So that would be interesting how it all plays out. So even though SpaceX can get their stuff up cheaper because it's their rockets, the OneWeb thing I don't think is is dead in the water, plus the, all these other benefits that it seems to bring. So it's really interesting. I think that OneWeb is a very, very interesting um, company. I mean, it could go either way. It could be an absolute flop or it could be one of these things where it's a, mo- a rare moment of uh, British government good for good fortune, <laughs> where we yeah. somehow made the right decision and it and it worked out well. But I mean, it's a risky Fingers decision. Crossed. I I think I think fair play to to the government, um, pe- the people in government who made that decision, because it, okay, it's risky, but I think you you need to make risky decisions, otherwise you get nowhere. Definitely, right? and, he, and who a, dares slightly, wins? I don't know. There is a sort of like slight little nagging thing in the back of my head about an entirely SpaceX controlled media oh my God. system. Oh, um, exactly, exactly. So we undoubtedly need a competition to SpaceX. I mean, it would be deeply worrying, I reckon, if you only had yeah. a SpaceX mega constellation and no one else up there. Uh, it's like, you know, we've read the books, we've seen the films, we know how this goes. <laughs> yeah, and and he's already the richest man on earth. Without yeah. without having something else to make him, you know, it's like it's like Jeff Bezos owning Amazon and then owning Microsoft as well. <laughs> it would be yeah. like ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's so yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Anyway, that's the end of the space news. That I yeah, there was oh, lots. That's, that's, and that's just one week. That's just one week, isn't it? That's crazy. I know. There's just so much going on, and I, I, I can't wait for Mars Month. I, I'm, I have a little think about what I'm going to do for that. I might make a costume. I know that would be pointless for an audio podcast, but I, I think I'll feel it'll better wearing it. It will help us get in the mood, won't it? Definitely. And Spodcats, if you want to wear costumes as well, just go for it. Oh well, okay. We'll we'll have a we'll have a Spodcat episode, Spodcat Mars episode. We can maybe yeah. do it on Zoom where we all have to wear Mars-related clothing. It's a good call, actually. Fantastic. I quite like I'd it. I'd love that. <laughs> I like it. Um, what are you doing? What are you doing this week, Chris? Are you up in are you up, um, are you up in Norway, yeah, by I'm, the way? I am in Oslo until April now. Oh, um good. so yeah, just uh it's a bit quiet. Uh things are starting to open up a little bit more this week, I think. Uh the shops have opened this week, which is good because I was a bit short on clothes. So I, I went and got some clothes, which you could for the last month you're not even been able to do that you, so, you do you do know uh, when you finished wearing your clothes that you put them in a washing you don't have to put them in the bin they're what? not they're not a one oh. item that you, so presumably you've I've got the same amount of clothes as you started the lockdown with 
Yeah, I am. Unless you do a lot oh, of kind of rubbing yourself along the carpet or something. <laughs> well, well, I do, and that's one of the problems <laughs> is that they wear out their threadbare within weeks. <sighs> so, like, oh, yeah. just because of all the rubbing I do. But I'm here. Um, I'm here for a few more weeks. Things are very quiet. Um, uh, but yeah, in, I'm looking for back for. Um, back for just after Easter to the UK. So, yeah, at the moment, just um, enjoying being in a sort of a nice place. Uh, the weather's absolutely stunning. It's very cold, but it's beautifully sunny every day at the moment. So it's oh, like wow. very, very lucky and, and really starry nights. We had a we had a, a uh, Aurora Borealis uh, klaxon go off last week, uh, but it was cloudy. It's very oh. rare that it actually comes out in, uh, comes out in Oslo. Um but we couldn't see it, unfortunately. So I still haven't seen Aurora Borealis in all the time I've spent here. But yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day. Is... What about you, Matthew? What are you up to this week? Uh, I'm just going to be working. It's it's um, yeah, it's one of the it's one of the downsides of why there hasn't been some epic interviews recently. Because uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm it's <laughs> it's been very busy at work. Um, but uh, yeah. I'm going to try, I'm just going to try, my, my, this week's resolution is to just get out more, even though it is absolutely freezing cold at the moment, but I've just got to get out of the house more. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? With lockdown and work. Do it, get out, get yourself, yourself. get yourself some fresh air because it makes all the difference. Yeah, it really does. It really does, even for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, big time, big time. And I guess that's, you know, I, I do hope everyone out there in Spodcat world is, is is coping and it's going to be over soon that's what i think be kind to yourselves spodcats yeah look after yourselves and uh, i hope to see one or two of you on at the end of the year flying up in the spacex capsule it'll be very that fun. would be amazing that would be absolutely yeah. amazing <laughs> <laughs> oh my god can you imagine it it'd be very good time to do interviews Hi, yeah, it's episode definitely. 263. It's Matt from the Dragon Capsule. <laughs> oh, stuff dreams are made of. And oh uh, Matthew is about to land in the star. <laughs> oh, yeah, Matt's, got, Matt's managed to get a seat on the, on the dear moon, and he's coming in for a landing. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's a one, it's a one shot only event. Oh my god! <laughs> and they didn't, and they actually didn't fit an escape module. <laughs> oh no, there isn't one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh. I wonder if you could. I wonder if you can sort of climb out and parachute out if you get really stressed. I I think I'd like to think I'd be able to, but like those balls you know, that I... you could jump out of the the space shuttle in. There was like these weird, yeah, like escape balls. <laughs> You could sort of your own personal re-entry ball. I'd love a personal re-entry ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, Chris. <laughs> bye, bye, podcast. Bye, spot cuts. Bye, spot cuts. Bye, spot cuts. Bye, spot cuts.